the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When Joseph's brothers sold Joseph into Egypt, the man who fought all his life for the blessing in life settled down to the harsh facts of a troubled life without, it would appear, the blessing. Thanks for joining us today for Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Mike's message today is entitled, The Second Blessing. That's The Second Blessing. Remember, you can find any of these messages online at reachingyourheart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Don't forget the worship service is held every Saturday at 11 o'clock, and you are always welcome. The broadcast is also streamed live at reachinghearts.org slash video. We'll have details on that and more as we continue with today's broadcast. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Dear Father God, we are grateful today for Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep. We're grateful that in Jesus there is life. In Christ there is a living well of water for any man or woman who suffers harm in their life. For the person who seeks the blessing, they never find it, but the blessing finds them. And so Father, help us to learn the lesson of the well, of the eye, of the seventy, the unique story of Asenath as it relates to us. In Jesus' name, amen. William Penn once claimed the secret of happiness is to count your blessings while others are adding up their troubles. Peter Marshall, the famous chaplain of the United States Senate, he was almost prophetic in his preaching. In fact, it was out when I was in homiletics. They required us to listen to Peter Marshall in his great manuscript preaching, passionate manuscript preaching. I have been affected by Peter Marshall and how I put my sermons together. He wrote this, God will not permit any troubles to come upon us unless He has a specific plan by which great blessing can come out of the difficulty. I like that. Boldly preached by Peter Marshall, one unknown person, quoted but not forgotten, said that sisters are the second blessing after parents. How many of you are a sister? Okay? If you are a lady in the church, you're a sister in Christ. They are the second blessings after parents. Jacob spent most of his life striving for the blessing, trying to earn it, trying to manipulate his way to get an outcome. With the help of his mother Rebecca, he lied, manipulated his father Isaac into blessing him instead of Esau. This tragic story, Shakespearean in its impact. Jacob stole his brother's birthright, but he could never steal the blessing of Abraham that is only God's to give. You can't take that. That has to be given to you. Before he fled for his life to Padan Aram from his brother Esau, his father Isaac, blind from age, kind of was figuring out that as messed up as this son Jacob was, as messed up as he was, somehow God was working through this messed up boy of his to bring about an outcome so that the blessing would be perpetuated. 
And so he spoke to Jacob with an eye for the future, looking for a well of understanding in this narcissistic youth's life and eye so he would catch the glimpse of the vision of God in the future. And here's what he says in Genesis 28.3, God Almighty bless you. I don't know about you, I don't want just God to bless me. I want God Almighty to bless me and my family. You know why? Because when God puts His strength into the blessing, when God puts His power into the blessing, the blessing is yours and you will be blessed. So He said, God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of peoples. May He give. You see, you can't earn it. You can't achieve it. You can only receive it. May He give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings which God gave to Abraham. And then Isaac sent Jacob away to Paddan Aram to get his wife because he kind of knew that this boy of his wouldn't be all right without a good wife in his life. A good man figures out sooner or later that his wife is his life. Did you hear me? A good man figures that out. And that blessings come to a man who is a husband because of the good wife that is his life. When God promised Adam life after the fall, after the big tension between Adam and Eve. She wasn't called Eve. She was called Isha, which is just another word for Ish, man and woman. He was Isha. That was her name. God gave the promise to Eve. Didn't give it to Adam. Gave it to Eve because the promise of life comes through the woman in the book of Genesis. And so Adam, when he figured it out that the seed of the woman crushed the head of the serpent, he renamed his wife Eve, which means life. It was no longer Adam and his wife It was Adam and his life because Adam was blessed through her to have children. And when a man forgets that fact as a husband, when he gets narcissistic into his own needs and forgets that his wife is a precious gift from God, that misguided man takes the first step backward in the process of becoming a fool. The wise man praises the wife of his youth, cherishes the wife of his youth. That doesn't mean they always get along. You know, you can have a jewel, and a jewel can be on the rough, but it doesn't matter. If your wife is your wife, she is your life. And he blesses God for the gift of his wife. Jacob went to Padan Aram to get a wife in the house of his mother's brother Laban to be blessed with a wife. Laban turned out to be a better liar than Jacob was. Jacob ended up getting two wives. Now, if you're blessed, you think two is better than one. Not the case in Jacob's life. It was nothing but trouble, one wife against the other. Two wives with 14 years of hard labor to pay for the trouble in his family. The one wife he loved and the other he tolerated. Leah was the homely wife named after a wild cow. Rachel was the lovely wife named after a beautiful lamb. Rachel had beautiful eyes, the Bible says. And well, Leah, she just had eyes. And when Jacob was on his way to meet Esau, coming back, His brother who hated him, who looked ready to kill him one night, he tarried behind at the river Jabbok to pray in the night of his trouble all night to God to save his family. Because he was getting ready to lose his family in a single day of war. And that night God showed up as the angel of the Lord. Now in the Old Testament, when you find the angel of the Lord, you're finding a pre-existent being who is Yahweh, Elohim, Lord God in angel form, uncreated. It is the pre-existent manifestation of the living Christ who is the shepherd of Israel. And the angel of the Lord in the form of a man with a fist 
and a strong arm fought with Jacob, boxing, wrestling, because that was the night of Jacob's trouble. And we all come to trouble in our lives. We don't know how to handle it. We struggle in the night for life, for our children, for a future. And that night, the pre-existent Christ put forth His hand and dislocated Jacob's hip, threw it out of joint. Would He give up when His body was failing? Jacob would not let go of Him even though He was fighting with Him to let Him go. And as the sun was rising, the man said, Let me go. Jacob said to the pre-existent Christ, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And that night, God blessed Jacob in the form of the pre-existent Christ, the man in the night. And he changed his name from Jacob to Israel because he had fought with God and men and had prevailed. Friend, we're living in a world crisis. You look at Afghanistan. You look at the collapse of global order. You look at the missteps of politicians. The huge results that people are paying for this. Both parties have no answer because Jesus is the answer. No world leader is wise enough to fix the mess. The Bible says that we're living in a time of fear when men's heart would faint them of what is coming on the world. I'm telling you, what's happening in Afghanistan is horrible. It could happen here. We are living in a world crisis akin to World War II in many ways. And so in the midst of the trouble, we need to have faith in Christ. We need to not throw our faith away because of the trouble. Friend, God does not give us faith so we can become losers in life. Did you hear me? God does not fight in the night with us like He did Jacob, so we will give up in the struggle for life in the future. God does not wound us. Yes, He wounds us so that He may heal us, according to the book of Hosea. He does not wound us so we can live out our days as tragic souls with a tragic story and no faith, victory, walk with God in the midst of trouble. When you fight with God in the night, friend, you are wounded by God, yes. In that fight for faith in life, Jacob's hip was pulled out. But you know inside your heart and mind that the wound that is your trouble in the fight in the night is the very thing God is using to heal your life. It takes pain to gain the crown of life. It takes a struggle to surrender and win the victory with self. It takes the blessing that is a gift to change the life that is stolen and focused on self. And Jacob's life was changed that night forever in his fight with God in prayer to save him, but not just him. He was now focused on his family. Save my family from my brother Esau. He had found the blessing... The blessing on his knees, praying, fighting in the night. Jacob had spent most of his life worrying about Jacob. Maybe you say, Pastor Mike, that's how I am. I spent a great deal of my energy worried about me. Have you ever worried about yourself? Come on. Hand high. I have worried about myself. In fact, I have found myself at times in the pity spiral. Oh me, look what's happening to me because of this, that, and so on. Has that ever happened to you? And dear heart... When we get our eyes off ourselves and we start pleading with God for those we love, a transformation occurs in our life. At the river Jabbok, Jacob started praying in earnest on his knees for his family because it looked like Esau would kill them all the next day. He cared about them. A person's character doesn't change in a minute, but it can change in a lifetime on a new road that is governed by the blessing. When Jacob's daughter Dina went out to see the girls of the land, in that story of Shechem, 
is pivotal in the whole book of Genesis. It shapes the whole nature of what would become the nation of Israel. And so when she went out to play with those unbelieving Canaanite girls, no doubt listening to the wrong music, no doubt thinking about the wrong thoughts, no doubt immoral in nature, she made a very big mistake that changed her life forever. She met Shechem who raped her. And then Shechem softened up and fell in love with her. And so it's a crazy form of Romeo and Juliet. The Romeo's not really Romeo. But he's doing the best, maybe. It's a strange tale. The Bible says he spoke tenderly to her. And then she shacked up with him, or maybe he did it with her. Who knows? But when Shechem and his father Hamor agreed to be circumcised, that was the deal that was cut so he could marry Dina. And that would, in essence, make them all Israelites in a loose kind of way. And every male of the city agreed to do the same. They went to the gate and said, we'll do it. Anything for Shechem. We like Shechem. And so they all got circumcised, and they hoped to join Israel and become one people. One people. Shechem won in Shechem's house. Shechem and Dina, the Israelites and the Shechemites, Shechem won. On the third day, when they were still sore, Simeon and Levi took their swords, these are the two sons of Leah, and they went into that city called Shechem, and they killed Shechem, Hamor, and every male in the city. They devastated that city. They took it into captivity. They took everything they had. There was nothing left but empty buildings and dead bodies on the ground when they were done. They forcibly took Dina out of Shechem's house, not knowing that there was a little baby girl inside of her. We demonstrated that from Scripture. An unnamed granddaughter from Leah pointing to Dina is in the mix to make the 70. The shameful child of rape unnamed would soon be born. The child that so many people today would abort. Yeah, I use the word abort. I mean, it's easy to say, well, that child can't make it. That child has no future. You know, that's what abortions are for. And I've heard medical people call them medical procedures. They aren't medical procedures. When you get rid of a child because you don't want the child, it's called murder. And so this precious little girl, it's been so easy to just abort her out of the picture, kill her as soon as she was born, following the counsel of evil and self-righteous ethicists and pontificators of religion who would play God at the expense of an unwanted little girl who is nothing but trouble. The Hebrew word for trouble is ason. But you know, God's word is still God's word. It says, thou shalt not kill. And friend, I don't care where you came from. My mother gave birth to me. My mother developed schizophrenia when I was a child. The arguments that could have been used when I was a child to make us never come to life would have been valid in the mind of modern ethicists. My mother raised me in a schizophrenic state. I am forever altered both good and in a challenging kind of way because of my mother. But I learned faith from my mother who struggled with her mental illness. And so sometimes that which would cause harm is that which creates good in our lives. God's Word must stand. You can't reason it away in this modern era of know-it-all theologians. The Bible says, Thou shalt not kill. At first, Jacob was more concerned about himself than about what his sons had done to others who were innocent and now dead. He said, you have made me odious, stink to the inhabitants of the land. That's quite a statement to tell your boys. And strangely, the man who fought with God in the night for the blessing 
Was here afraid of the very people in the land of Canaan who could care less about God. Unbelievers now terrified him when he had struggled and won with the Lord himself. That's what can happen. We can have a great night on our knees with God and then we can settle down to the harsh realities of life and discover it isn't working out the way we thought it should. And when Joseph's brothers sold Joseph into Egypt, the man who fought all his life for the blessing in life settled down to the harsh facts of a troubled life without, it would appear, the blessing. His beloved Rachel had died, and his son Joseph was torn by beasts and dead, he thought. And when the old man Jacob, with one leg, partially lame because the Lord himself had pulled his hip out, he sat down to cry when he saw the bloody mantle of Joseph's coat of many colors. Now red was the only color. He sat down to cry like a baby as he asked God to just let him go down to Sheol and die. The Bible said that he would not be comforted because Joseph had died. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. When news reached Jacob after Joseph's long ordeal in the house of the round, the prison of the round house, where he went for circles in life, but finally was released and rose to be the prince of Egypt. When news reached Jacob that Joseph was alive in Egypt, his spirit revived, the Bible records. Jacob got up, he got into that ox cart that Joseph sent from Egypt, but he went first to the well at Beersheba. And before he went down to Egypt to meet Joseph, he had an appointment with God at the well. Friends, when it is not going well in your life, when trouble is all about you, how about make an appointment with God at the well where God speaks to you? Jacob had a rendezvous with God at the well at Beersheba. That's where Abraham had made a covenant with Abimelech. Beersheba means the well of the seven or the well of the oath. We all make promises to God in life, don't we? But the only promise that matters is His. And so we all make promises to God in life, but there are at times when all our promises fail like ropes of sand, the book Steps to Christ says in the book Consecration. And we must come to the living well for the second blessing where God's promises never fail like a spring, a living spring that wells up into eternal life. Jacob returned to Beersheba to find God at the well. Look at verse 1, Genesis 46. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said it twice because sometimes Jacob had a hard time hearing God. Jacob, Jacob. He may say to you your name twice too to get your attention. He said, I am God, the God of your father. And then he addresses his core need that he's been struggling with all his life. He says, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. For I will there make of you a great nation. I will go down with you to Egypt And I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Boy, I get chills just reading that. 
we learn that the 70 children of Jacob came out of the loins of Jacob and that they found their way, every one, to Egypt as recorded in Exodus 1, verse 5, and Genesis 46, 27. We also learn, based on Genesis 46, that only 66 of the seed, or children of Jacob, came to Egypt when he went off to meet Joseph. That leaves four unaccounted for. That left four of the 70 in Egypt to be reckoned. Well, you do the math. Joseph plus Manasseh plus Ephraim equals three. And thus the question, where is the one who is 70? According to the evidence, the 70th child had to be a granddaughter. That's the missing one. When you look at the phonetic and the numerical evidence, there's a missing granddaughter. And the ancient rabbis, who read every word of the Hebrew Bible and every letter, knew this. And I've confirmed it in my own Bible study I shared with you last week. And it can also be deduced, and I can't for sure tell if they knew this, but it can be deduced that this missing granddaughter came from the line of Leah. Why? Because there are 32 children given for Leah, 33 necessary to complete the 70. That's where the missing one's coming from. And Dina's name, Dina's empty name, just a name with no children, is shouting out volumes. There is the unnamed one in the number, but not the name. You know, think of it, being a person where they're ashamed to mention you by name, but they cannot forget you by number. Because of Shechem, Dina was pregnant with a little girl who was nothing but trouble, harm, evil, and calamity as far as those awful brothers were concerned. Jacob owns the Hebrew word ason. Why don't you say that word with me? Ason. Ason. And that's the Hebrew word for calamity, harm, and evil. Trouble in a focused, pricky sense. Ason is related to the Hebrew word sanah. You remember the bush that God appeared, uh, the angel of the Lord, to Moses out of the burning bush? It was a sanah thorn bush, according to Exodus 3 in the Hebrew. And so ason is related to the word sanah for a thorn bush because thorns cause calamity, harm, and evil. They prick, they hurt, they go inside. When you get a thorn deep in, it's like a splinter. You can't get the thing out of your life. Jacob was afraid that if Benjamin went down to Egypt, his brothers would also bring ason, calamity, harm, and evil on him. Jacob was afraid that Benjamin's brothers would also take him far away like before, and he uses the word also, also. Jacob didn't know that they had taken Joseph away. We assume that because we know when we read the narrative. But he didn't know. He thought Joseph was dead. And so Genesis 44, 29 is not talking about Joseph or else he would be simply speaking out of his head the things he does not know. Jacob didn't know that they had taken Joseph away because he thought the wild animals had killed him. He was thinking of another person he knew of that was taken by them also when he bled out his cry of concern for Benjamin in Genesis 44:29, notice the phraseology, if you take this one also from me, and harm, ason, befalls him, you will bring down my gray hairs in sorrow to Sheol, to the grave. Now here's the phrase, if you take this one also from me, you will bring ason on me and I will die. Jacob was afraid of ason, the harm, the calamity, the thorn bush that would come upon him if they would also take Benjamin away down to Egypt. Two words are hugely significant here. The word you and the word also. And thus the verb take. 
you took someone from me, would you also take Benjamin from me? And friend, he did not know that they had taken Joseph. So who is he talking about? They had taken someone before him from him. And he knew it. And he did not want any more awesome kind of trouble to come upon him and his family and Benjamin because a child was taken from him. Sometimes the trouble we dread in life is the very help we need to find. Sometimes the harm we would avoid in life is the cure we must seek out in life. Sometimes the calamity that leaves us far behind and broken in life is the second blessing that returns to us when we learn how to count our blessings and not our sorrows, when we go deep into the pain to discover the well of living water, the blessing in the midst of the journey. The little girl who wasn't even named, but who is identifiable among the 70, she is the fourth person in Egypt who is the second blessing in Jacob's life so that his life will end right and every member of his family will be brought back into the 70. The awesome harm. That word that Jacob is fascinated. He owns that word in the book of Genesis. No one else does. Jacob dreaded all his life the name Asson. And when he gets to Egypt, he discovers that Joseph's wife's name is Asanoth, built off of the very word he is using, Asson, trouble, harm, calamity, and evil. We learned last week from the scriptures that Potiphar was a eunuch. And that can be demonstrated by the use of the word saris in conjunction with the word sar. The rabbis knew that. They picked up on that. They knew it's identical to Daniel 1, 9, where a saris, sar, is a eunuch. And they knew that Potiphar could never have children of his own. And thus they reasoned that the Potipharah and the Potiphar is the same person in the book of Genesis. And that Asenoth is the adopted daughter of Potiphar. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart. That will conclude the first portion of The Second Blessing. That's The Second Blessing. You can find it online with many other messages at reachingyourheart.com. Thank you for listening today. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland. 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. Reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. Reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.